This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 17, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. Portugal's experiment in drug decriminalization has been a big success, according to Glenn Greenwald, author of a report for the Cato Institute on the subject. At Tuesday's Cato Institute conference on ending the war on drugs, Greenwald discussed reactions to his report and what implications his findings might have for the United States. You wrote a report for the Cato Institute on the drug decriminalization that had occurred in Portugal. There was a varied response to that. Uh, some people really embraced it. Others were, were critical. Uh, how did you respond to, to each type of criticism upon seeing it? Well, I'm actually working on an update to the report that I wrote in 2009 that includes a response to many of the uh, replies, both positive and negative. So, for example, there was one that was that purported to be somewhat critical from the White House Drug Office, um, as well as from a former White House drug czar, uh, two separate replies that both really kind of skirted the essence of the report and distorted the parts that it purported to address, in part because the um, tactic of prohibitionists for so long has been to use speculation and fear-mongering about what would happen if there were, uh, if there was an elimination of, 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 of criminalization. Um, and the argument has always been that drug usage would explode, that drug-related pathologies would worsen. And what Portugal really has done for the first time is demonstrate the empirical falsity of those claims. And so it's obviously a great threat to the whole prohibitionist uh, landscape. And, and so it's really just the sort of demonization tactics that you've seen rather than a substantive engagement with the arguments. A lot of people who support drug prohibition sort of, uh, I guess, obscure the difference between uh, a change in drug use and a change in things that are often associated with drug use. Well, I, I do think that that there's typically an assumption, even on the part of people who are sympathetic to the case of, of decriminalization, that eliminating prohibition will lead to an increase in usage just in and of itself. And I find that to be quite unpersuasive, um, in large part because even in a criminalization scheme like the one that we have, drug, drugs are so readily and easily obtained. Um, and I think that uh, for most people, the prospect of getting arrested or prosecuted for possession um, is sufficiently distant that it doesn't really serve as a deterrent so that if you got rid of criminalization, um, you'd be unlikely to have an increase in, in usage. But you're right that usage in and of itself is not typically considered to be bad by people who warn of these dangers. It's really drug-related pathologies like crime and sexually transmitted diseases and, and death. And one of the things that legalizing drugs or decriminalizing and regulating it will accomplish is it lets the state provide the citizenry with many more weapons to use drugs safely. So if you assume, as a, any rational person will, that there will be lots of people using drugs under both a criminalized and a decriminalized scheme, um, then the only humane and, and logical uh, objective is to try and reduce the harm as much as possible. And it's when you decriminalize and can, can get addicts methadone or counseling or direct them into therapy programs, um, hand out condoms and clean needles and the like, and reduce sexually transmitted diseases, um, take away the inspiration for violence which is what happens when you criminalize and, and reduce violence. Um, all of these related pathologies that prohibitionists cite will actually decrease substantially if you, if you decriminalize. When I talked to uh, Vicente Fox a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Beto O'Rourke, a former uh, city councilman in El Paso, Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, they say decriminalization, and they draw a very clear distinction between decriminalization and legalization when it comes to the violence that's occurring uh, in Mexico and elsewhere in Latin America. 
Well, you know, I, I again, I think that it, what's important is to keep these arguments grounded in empiricism. And so we don't really have a huge amount of data or really much convincing data about what would happen if you outright legalized, um, in part because Portugal didn't, although they, I think, wanted to, at least a lot of them did, um, but were prohibited by the United States and international conventions from doing so. Um you know, the argument um, against full-scale legalization and in favor of decriminalization is that by maintaining this legal prohibition, even though it's no longer within the criminal realm, you're achieving two things. One is you're continuing to communicate to the population that the government deems it sufficiently dangerous and wrong for this behavior to be undertaken, and that's why it's it's classified as, as criminal. But the second one, and I think the more serious one, is that by by decriminalizing, it still enables the police and the coercive power of the state to bring the person into the system that has now been decriminalized. And therefore, you have a higher probability of directing them to um, programs and counseling and the like that um, will let them reduce harm and, and get rid of their addictions. I don't think either of those two arguments are true, but that's the argument uh, to make about why decriminalization is preferable to legalization. But as far as crime is concerned, I think undercutting the criminalization is what will gut the power of the cartels, make it far less profitable, um, and will really do reduce violence. I don't see the difference between uh, legalizing and decriminalizing in that regard. The argument that uh, Fox and uh, Mr. O'Rourke made is essentially that when it comes to uh, territories for shipping drugs, for the, the profits in providing drugs and it, even a decriminalized system that is the, where the drugs are still nominally illegal to, to cultivate, produce, and transport, that uh, those profits remain in, in large part there and uh, drug cartels will continue to fight over the privilege to provide right. so those the, drugs. The argument being that you don't really achieve much in the way of undercutting the criminalization if all you do is decriminalize as opposed to legalize because it's still maintaining the legal prohibition. You can't open shops. You can't compete. You can't regulate. That's the argument. Yeah, that I think is probably true, that, that in terms of really um, – striking a blow against cartels and trafficking and the like, um, it probably would help to legalize as opposed to decriminalize. Um, even in, in Portugal, trafficking is still criminal. It's not even that it's decriminalized. It's and still it's a criminal. Major, major place for traffic. It is. Um, and, and again, that's because there are all sorts of international treaties and conventions um, that Portugal as a small country feels ab obligated to actually abide by. That's what you have to do when you're a small country is you have to ab abide by your treaty obligations as weird as that sounds to us, um, but they are required to take that seriously. Um, and so if there were to be a true legalization scheme of trafficking and other other components of the drug war, you would absolutely have to have it be international, at least regional, um, in order to, because you couldn't have just one country legalizing trafficking. To be it, essentially, would become a haven, essentially. Right, precisely. Is there anything that uh, is surprising or uh, that new data is bringing to light in, in the follow-up that you're producing on your uh, report on decriminalization. Well, I think the big, I think the big change has. I mean, the data is is still pretty consistent, and in some cases, it's actually more impressive about the success of decriminalization. I think what really has changed is the climate for how these issues are discussed. So I know, you know, even when two years ago, three years ago, when I began working on this issue, the first thing I did was contact several drug policy experts, most of whom had not even heard that Portugal had decriminalized drugs, um, which was kind of striking to me that there was this 
example of eight years at the time of decriminalization and, and had, had received so little attention. And now you find, because of things like the Global Commission on Drugs and other um, prominent leaders who have who have taken a much more rational approach to this issue, the debate has opened up much more widely. People are much more willing to advocate for decriminalization that, or legalization than was true, true than was true back then. And I think you see Portugal being used continuously um, as an argument a leading argument, if not the leading argument, to justify that case because the only way people feel comfortable who are sort of in an establishment position to advocate for decriminalization is if they have pure evidence on their side, and Portugal is what provides that. Given uh, your studies of Portugal, uh, what advice would you have for U.S. policymakers at the state or federal level about what they should be doing uh, with regard to uh, the drug war today? I mean, just as a matter of pure resources, I mean, we face this age of austerity where we have constant, um, very stringent choices um, between all kinds of uh, approaches. And, and there's really only one approach at best to each social problem that policymakers can afford to embrace. Um, and so a lot of times what people will say is, well, we want to keep things criminalized, but we also want to provide treatment and we want to have drug courts. As a true practical reality. Um, you can't have all those things. You cannot spend billions and billions of dollars on interdiction efforts and and, and prosecution and arrest and, and, and incarceration, and at the same time provide funding for drug courts, and at the same time provide treatment programs both for people inside a prison and out because the resources don't exist. And so the only thing that makes sense for people in political power to uh, assess is what's in their best interest. And what's in their best interest is solving the problem. And what solves these problems best um, is directing that money towards treating drug addiction like what it is, which is a health problem and not a criminal problem. Glenn Greenwald is a columnist for Salon.com and author of the 2009 Cato Report, Drug Decriminalization in Portugal, Lessons for Creating Fair and Successful Drug Policies, available at Cato.org.